Hi, and welcome to today's SME Business Podcast. Your host, Mark, will be joining you to interview a founder of an SME business each week, highlighting lessons learned and revealing insights. Listen and learn each week on how to get and stay ahead. Hi, dear listeners. Thank you for tuning in for the next episode of the SME Business Podcast. Today, we're joined by Vina Jetty from Five Funds. Uh, Five Funds is a US-based multifamily investment firm, and they help families optimize their investments by providing unique opportunities for passive investors. Welcome, Welcome to, the, to podcast. the podcast. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. And uh, so, yeah, just to kick it off, um, can you tell me a bit more about yourself and so the listeners know more about you and how you got into entrepreneurship? Yeah, so I am the founder of, like you said, Vive Funds, and we do multifamily investments. And what that means is I bring together uh, opportunities for passive investors to be able to have a hands-off investment experience into U.S.-based assets. And the way I really got started in this is my mom has always been a real estate entrepreneur. And so I really learned from her and I grew up kind of in the entrepreneurial world and the real estate investing. Yeah, so basically the entrepreneurial um, blood, if you will, runs in the family. (laughs) Uh, Yes, yes, it would be fair to say that. Yeah, 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 that's cool. And then, of course, you know, already having the background in real estate helps, of course, then helping families optimize their investments. So, yeah, um, that makes sense. Um, So I was wondering as well, so why did you start Start Five Funds? Yeah, so uh, when I first graduated from college, I went out into the workforce and I worked for other people, made a lot of money for other people, and realized that um, I could have more impact and I could have more say in what my business did and what I was associated with, and I could be more impactful in general in ways that I wanted to see. And so the only way for me to really do that was to go out on my own and start my own business. And so I made the leap of faith and, you know, the rest is history from there. Yeah. And it is a leap of faith, of course, but uh, I think uh, a lot of us will be going like uh, one point to go like, Oh yeah, this, you know, employment, you know, it works for us. But for me, it's like, okay, now is the time to jump. jump kind of thing. Thing. Yes. Um, and then, and then you know, me. like you just have to run with it. Um, um, and then uh, right now, you know, uh, it, it's one of those things where um, I think it's even more uh, so that that people that 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 had a let's say belief that that employment was, was a, a, a security, security blank blank mm-hmm. um, now feel like okay, actually, you know, like um, maybe I should take the jump now um, because, because yeah, yeah. You know, it, it, it's, it's proven that that you know there's not that much added security, if you will. Uh, being employed uh, so you might as well work on your own dream um, so so I was wondering as well with, with five funds what's your current investment criteria yeah so our strategy changes as the market cycle changes so in the US we typically go through seven year up and seven year down cycles um, we've been in a very interesting uh, long bull run and so um, as of right now, our general criteria is large, um, over 100 units, preferably over 200 units in any one asset. 
um, in our target markets, which as of right now are Texas, Florida, Georgia, North Carolina, and South Carolina. And we look for what we call class B assets. So that means any asset where we can go in, we can add value. Maybe it's built in the late 1980s or early 1990s. So it's a little bit outdated, could use some touching up, a facelift, if you will. And so we go in and we perform that value add component and bring it up to the market and add the value to the asset and then turn around and sell it. Yes, yeah, it makes sense. You know, uh, touch it up so we can, you know, get get better rents or uh, if, if if not renting out, uh, you know, sell it on. Um, uh, which is, uh, you know, I know yeah, other people doing that at, at a smaller scale, of course. Of course. Yes, uh, and it's exactly like what you would see on these TV shows, like Fix or Flip shows or HGTV. Yeah, yeah. It's a similar concept, except we do it on a very large scale. So instead of yeah, doing yeah. one house at a time, I'm doing 200 units at a time. Yeah, and then the, the, this is where the passive element also comes in because uh, the active element, as in like actually um, redoing it myself, for instance, and then, oh, I'm, I'm not going to be able I would probably be really bad at that. Yeah, it's uh, definitely hard. DIY-wise, you know, like, yeah, yeah you don't want to yeah, do that yourself unless you're, I don't know, worked on American uh, Makeover, was it? The, you know, the, uh, the TV show, I used to love that one, with Ty Pennington, was it? Uh, yes, I think so. Oh, the, I don't know. Sorry, sorry yeah, yeah, person not there. Yeah, yeah, that was, was like one of my favorite, favorite shows. shows. And, uh, yeah. You know, like they would go like, found this family that really needed it. And they end up with like this massive house. And then, you know, go like, well, wow, there's a nice house. But then you also go like, wow, there's a lot of land. Because <laughs> <laughs> especially in the UK, UK you'll be like, like wow, I don't know. I actually don't know people with that amount of land. Yeah. You know, the US is very spread out and not quite as densely populated as other yes, yes. places in the world. So yes, yes. for us, we get a lot more land out here. And, you know, we don't have multi-generational living to the same extent that, no. you know, Europe does or that Asia does. And so what we often see is, you know, in your you're 18, 19, 20 years old, you go out into the world, you rent an apartment. Oftentimes those will be our types of tenants. Um, and, you know, they'll live there for a few years, save up. And it used to be that buying a home in America was kind of part of the American dream. But we're seeing statistically that's changing. People are waiting till later and later to buy houses, if at all. And so we still see a lot of rental. We just don't necessarily see, um, you know, someone living with their parents necessarily. And I, you know, I say that, but now knowing that COVID has been happening, I think we're seeing that more, uh, but certainly not to the extent that other nations in the world see it. No, no, and it is, like I said, the the homeowner dream, um, um, in a way, is is still more alive. But yeah, and more people are renting as well, because uh, also employment, um, um, you know, changes as in people move around the states, um, or even like move around the world, and then um, you're not always in a market necessarily where then you can easily rent it out. Um, so yeah, that, that's, that's, that's the thing, the thing as, well. as well. Yeah, and that's what, so that's why we actually are very careful when we select our markets, because we want to make sure there are markets that are growing, that there are renters that can pay their rent. And um, you're, we're seeing areas like New York City, for example, where they're losing population because it's cold, it's expensive, yes, yes. Um, yes. taxes are high. And now people are realizing, hey, we can work from anywhere. We don't have to be stuck to any one city. 
Yeah, that is funny you mentioned this because that's the, the thing I saw as well. Um, I don't know if you were going to mention it, but I was going to mention it anyway. Is there that um, um, a lot of people like moving from California, California to, to Texas? Texas. Yeah. Um, yep. I see with my, my American acquaintances, like a lot of people go like, uh, oh yeah, but you know, like don't bring, bring the taxes with us. That's a, you know, like a, a difficult challenge, of course, uh, where. Uh, yeah. So I live in, I live in Texas actually. And so, uh, and I did live in California at once. So I had, you know, I have experience with both states and they, they do say they don't bring California, don't California my Texas. And yes. really like the colloquialism behind that is more, um, Texas is known to be a very conservative red yes. state, Republican state, whereas California yeah, yeah. is the polar opposite. And yeah, yeah. Um, California has in the real estate market, as far as real estate goes, um, one thing that's interesting about looking at the two different states is cost of living is very high in California compared yes. to Texas. And what we see just from like the political influences as well is in California, certain areas have rent control, um, yes. which obviously as a landlord, that impacts us very greatly. As a tenant, yes. it makes sense because, well, rent can be quite unaffordable otherwise. Yes. <laughs> and yes. so, yes. Um, you know, that that's really what the sentiment is. And we tend to stay away from areas like California um, as on an investment criteria basis just because it's very tough to have stability and our investments call for uh, a lower level of risk comparatively to yes, other yes, yeah, portfolios. Yeah, because yeah, yeah, I can I... imagine like, you know, uh, Texas and Florida and such, um, it is easier to uh, sell sell an asset on because yeah, the, the market is more friendly, if you will. Uh, I'm not pretending to be you know, a real estate expert, by the way, but um, uh, don't uh, anybody listening to this podcast, please don't see this as an investment advice uh, uh, before somebody says it. Uh, <laughs> I was going to say, what um, um, was wondering as well, like what are the current underwriting trends you're seeing? Yeah, so we have made a lot of adjustments based on COVID being you know, prevalent everywhere, especially in the U.S. Um, you know, you might know we've not really done a great job of handling or containing the pandemic. And so uh, on our end, we've made some ultra conservative changes to our underwriting. And namely, one of them would be previous to COVID, we might have gone in underwriting for rent increases to happen day one when we take over a property. Our last project we did end of October, we closed an $80 million deal in Atlanta, Georgia, and we underwrote it with zero rent increases for the first 12 months. And so we started becoming a lot more conservative on what we're able to do because the reality of the matter is, is until there's a vaccine that's widely available, um, we don't know if there's going to be another spike. Uh, currently, we're seeing increasing numbers and increasing deaths in the U.S. And so we're just being cognizant of that. And we're trying to make sure that if there's some kind of change or sudden movement in the market, we're able to withstand that downturn and weather that storm. Yeah, that, that makes sense uh, because, yeah, like you said, uh, you know, vaccines have to get out. Um, you know, max vaccination has to happen as well. Um, and before, you know, the market, if you will, uh, stabilizes and then people can, can say, hey, you know what, I'm going to uh, move um, and I can, you know, sustain a higher end than I was paying before, that kind of thing. Um, because the, in the end, it, it's in the entire system. And then, 
Um, and that, that, I think that that's the whole, uh, you know, for, from, from a treasury point of view, uh, a lot of people um, might be surprised how fragile um, or how uh, dependent each, each part of the economy is on the on other, other parts. Part. Uh, Absolutely. Uh, yeah. And, you know, that's it. That's a really good point. Um, you know, and what we do in terms of having renters in our units, they have to continue to maintain jobs. And, you know, if they get sick or catch COVID and they're out for two weeks, how does that affect them from being able to pay their rent? Um, and it's an interesting challenge for us as landlords because we are trying to balance the human side of, okay, there's, you know, somebody who's struggling and we want to make sure that we're doing what we can to assist. But then there's the business side, which doesn't always align in that we need to deliver for our investors. And so it's been kind of walking that fine balance and that fine line. Yeah, I can imagine. I was going to say like, you know, um, it's too late for that, but like, you know, um, for, for for something in the future where uh, I know like uh, uh, there's a lot of like insurance co- uh, capable uh, you know possibilities, um, you know like uh, underwrite it quote unquote uh, that way where like okay you can insure your risk or something like, like that. that. Um, so uh, what's interesting is um, we we have tons of insurance on everything yeah, yeah. because our lenders require it. Um, yes, yes. What's interesting in the U.S. is. Every single policy specifically excludes pandemics. Um, So none of our insurance policies actually cover a pandemic. And we have looked into um, pandemic insurance, and it is so cost prohibitive. The amount it would cost on to like bet on something so small like this. Yes. It's really, really, really difficult to justify. Um, whereas, you know, we have a liability policy because if someone slips and falls, that's a likely occurrence on any one of our assets. Yes, yes, yes. yes. Yeah, and, uh, and and this is the funny part as well, is that with the insurance bit as well, I know that in the UK, I don't know about the US, uh, but a lot of insurers are actually would try to get out of paying out. Uh, but it was actually based on a, on a different clause um, so what they were trying to do, they had business interruption insurance, insurance. Uh-huh. and then, and then uh, the government said, yeah, you have to shut down um, and work from home. And of course, if you had a, a, a retail front end, if you, will, you can't do that, uh, right? you can't, you can't really, really do, that. do that. So basically a lot of people um, are still in the process. And then basically a few, like a few weeks ago, finally some judge said they should pay out, but then basically the insurance are still trying to hold fire, if you will. Um, so that's interesting because, like you said, you know, you, you some some you know might think like, okay, you know, like a business interruption insurance or such. Um, but even there, you know, an insurance will always find a way to to try not to have to pay out. Um, and that's the thing, you know, with the with pandemic insurance, yeah, it's it's probably more effective in uh, to I don't know uh, put it away and then uh, actually grow this investment to be like, hey, you know what, uh, for the once in a hundred years. Hopefully. Hopefully, right? Think, uh, uh, you know, we just put it away, and then uh, if 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 we do need it, then if we put away X amount and we put away for hundred years, uh, that should pay get us through um, yeah, the pandemic, um, uh, which is almost like a, a new you know investment product almost. <laughs> right? Yeah, I mean, it'll be yeah, interesting yeah. to see what people come up with. 
Yes, yes, yes. yes. Uh, and again, and again, again, again no, no financial, financial advice. advice. Uh, Correct, uh, no financial advice. Yes, yes exactly. exactly. Uh, I, know I know about cybersecurity. I'm not licensed to give anybody advice, so you should always no, go exactly. back to your tax, yeah, yeah. your lawyers, all of your people, because we are not qualified. <laughs> yes, exactly. Um, I, was, I was wondering as well, so what advice would you give to high-income earners looking to invest in real estate? Yeah, so um, I think that the first thing to do is to get with your financial advisors and your CPAs and see if um, it's the right opportunity for you and if having this as part of your entire portfolio balance makes sense and then deciding if yes, what does that look like? What amount is that? Is that $50,000, $5 million, $500,000? You know, it's going to be different for everybody. And so you want to look at what is correct for you and your specific situation. And then I think the next thing would be to reach out to different sponsors or investment companies like mine who have opportunities that kind of fall within your risk tolerance and your strategy. And once you do that, then you'll be able to see if there's a good fit for you and wait for an opportunity. Be patient. Um, good operators, like we don't do a deal just to do a deal. We only do a deal that we're willing to put our name on. And so if you see a deal that you like, you know, you can move forward with confidence because you've already done your homework ahead of time. And if it doesn't feel right, then just wait. You don't need to do it just for the sake of doing it. Yeah, it makes sense, you know, like uh, um, it, it's one of those things, uh, especially the more money involved, you don't want to, um, you know, uh, under pressure feel like, uh, you know, I need to do the deal now uh, because there will always be other the things. Other things. Um, exactly. Uh, pressure to do. And um, um, it, it, it's it, uh, it's one thing like, you know, uh, potentially missing out on a bit of, um, um, you know, uh, increasing capital, if you will, um, investment capital, because you choose a deal, but um, it's very much harder to come back from a potential deal where you didn't do the due diligence and you end up losing, I don't know, like 50, 40, 50 percent. Exactly. Uh, that's, that's much harder. Much harder. Uh, exactly. You, yeah, you want to definitely do your due diligence. So you can go into any investment with confidence. And yes, yes. I always tell my investors, if you can't explain the deal back to me, then yeah, yeah. I've done a poor job of explaining to you and you probably shouldn't invest in it. But yeah. if you can explain it back to me, then I feel much more comfortable. Yes, yes, exactly. Um, so I was wondering as well, so what should a new investor ask uh, from a deal, a deal sponsor? sponsor? Yeah, so the first question I, I always like to ask any deal sponsor is about their background and their strategy. So, you know, find out what they're doing, what they're looking to do. Um, I like to understand what their risk tolerance is because sometimes you'll have people that are very aggressive because their investors and their portfolios require a 50% return over two years. Whereas my deals are just not that aggressive. And so I don't really go after those high yield um, opportunities, but I go after the more solid. I always like to say it's not, you know, in like baseball terms, I'm not trying to hit a home run every time. Uh, what I'm trying to do is hit like a solid double and be very consistent and stable across my opportunities. So I think those are like good places to start. And then ask every question that you have of your your sponsor. It doesn't matter 
if it seems like a silly question because I always tell investors, this is like learning a brand new language sometimes. And so if you don't know something, there's no stupid questions. The only stupid questions are the ones that don't get asked. So always ask and someone like me is going to be happy to help answer those. Yeah, yeah, you know, like uh, listen, listen to the to experts. The experts. Um, um, I know that's, that's a, a controversial, controversial thing, thing right now to say. Yeah, well, no, but I'm still Yeah, no, I think that that's absolutely true, though. I think that that's the best way to get good information is listen to experts, see how they're investing their money. You know, I invest into all of my own deals because I believe in them. Yeah, no, again, you know, like. Um, that that should tell you already, um, like you know, investing in the deals you're offering, um, but and it, it is interesting, um, and it's it's pretty um, safe because of course everybody needs a place, place to live. To live. I mean, so I hate to use the word safe when I'm talking about investments because it's still an investment, right? There's always risk in any investment that you do, but it's relatively safe compared to, like right now, office space is really hurting pretty badly malls they're hurting really badly and they yeah, were yeah, hurting yeah. before covid so you know areas like that are definitely higher risk um but that's again it's a risk adjusted return so if you're investing into multifamily, the reason i like it is for the exact reason you said people will always need a place to live yes yes yes, yes. and then, and then you, know, you know for malls it's different although i know that there's investors working on turning those into apartments um, although to be fair, I saw one example recently. I was like, it was actually giving me a prison feeling. I was like, like oh, that's, that's... <laughs> yes, 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 you know, he had like little trees, you know, like uh, to to ornamental, you know, decoration that kind of thing. But it still was like giving too much of a like a prison vibe. Yeah, no, that's not good. You don't want home to feel like prison. Yes, yes I know. I know. And, and I, I get it. You know, like those galleries. You know, if you then literally turn those shops into to homes. It can quickly feel like a person. Uh, yeah, uh, I can really? definitely see that. Um, so we don't do quite that extensive. No, 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 no. I, I get that. But it was more like, you know, if you're talking about you know, multifamily homes and such, it's a, a, a more traditional investment than trying to turn malls into um yeah, living living exactly but we are seeing that you know we're seeing a lot of hotel conversions um so we're seeing hotels being converted often now um and i think that those things are interesting because it just shows how entrepreneurs think right and i think that's the most interesting piece of it yes. is because they're always looking for a way to be innovative and think outside the box and be creative and find opportunities where other people don't Yes, 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 yes. Exactly. I was going to say, um, uh, with hotels, it's interesting as well because, yeah, you have, especially if you have a lot of rooms, you know, you simply put to simplify things, you know, you bring a few rooms together, they already have interconnecting rooms, most of them anyway. Right. Um, right. So, so it's, it's relatively, relatively low cost, 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 cost uh, uh, to, to turn around. around. Uh, exactly. Because, yeah, yeah, you're, you're not. not you're turning living space into more living space. So um, you're not having to think like, okay, I need to like uh, change um, drainage and such because yeah. Yeah. yeah the plumbing's already there. It's, it's a fairly <laughs> easy um, yes, yes, yes. change. 
it's easier to still not going to do myself because, because I would still, still be able to. Well, it's easier than um, changing a mall into a multifamily. Yes, <laughs> yes, 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 yes. That, that's, that's, that's a whole other challenge. challenge. Yeah. Yes. Although, Although you can, you can do, like, do like something with high ceilings, ceilings uh, which is like uh, an aesthetic that that I would like. You know, like one day I'll have something like that. Um, um, I was wondering as well, what do you think governments around the world could do better to help small businesses grow? grow? Yeah, I think right now um, it's more a matter of funding, um, even just the everyday person, right? Like it all kind of money moves through the economy, right? So when the U.S. had released their stimulus package, for example, right, they gave most people in the country got $1,200 each. And so a married couple might get $2,400. Well, that probably covers one or two months of rent for my tenants. And so for me, having that assistance available and having various outreach programs um, certainly helps. And then, you know, I I would say that, especially here in the U.S., um, we could do a whole lot better job of managing this pandemic. Um, I just think it would have the effect of being able to open businesses a little bit sooner and uh, be able to keep businesses thriving. Mark, did I lose you? I, I keep myself on mute. Oh, there you are. Okay. Repeating myself. This is why we edit. Um, anyway, short version. Rewind. Okay. Um, pretending to be cassette tape. Um, I was going to say. Um, yeah. So um, that I was going to say the statistic is this that um, um, ninety-five to ninety-eight percent or something of the, of the economy is small and medium enterprise. Um, and and I think um, to be fair, the US is not alone. The UK, you know, is also dropping some some things there. Um, you know, the governments around the world are just focused on like large enterprise, and I get that. You know, like these people, you know, um, employ a ten, tens of hundreds of thousands of people, but the majority of the economy is small business. And what what really stuck out with me was that um, I don't have all the details again. I'm, uh, but with the payment protection program, I, I understood that that the companies that were actually getting it were actually more towards larger enterprise than the actual small businesses that they were, they supposed, were supposed to help. To help. Yes. Uh, um, yeah. You know, there were that program was just rolled out so quickly. I think people weren't really even aware of all the nuances. Even our banks, they didn't really know what was happening. They didn't know when it would roll out, and it the money just got spent up so quickly and it did to your point go to a lot of larger enterprises like i think the nba got like five million dollars one of the teams got like five million dollars you know to me as a small business owner um you know as an entrepreneur i actually understand it because their revenue is changing and their bottom line is changing but i also think that um, the intent of the program was not to fund those types of businesses. And I think that it probably could have made more impact if it had funded the business it was intended to, which is the smaller businesses or medium enterprise businesses. Yeah, yeah. I think from my personal standpoint, not that, that everybody agrees with it, is that 
it, it's one thing like going into larger business, uh, but what prefer what one of the things is that uh, I don't know how it works in the US to be fair, but in the in the UK basically, if you're on the high street uh, and you're in a business premises, then you pay business rates tax. Um, so what happened is that uh, when when COVID hits, is that all these businesses got business rates relief, and that was across the board. To, to, to be clear, there was no exception. Um, so you had like especially the supermarkets of the world, so, so you know the, the WalMarts of the world, uh, but then the UK versions. Um, they were getting all this business rate relief as well. And actually it was like one of the few shops that was actually still open. Um, so you had these people paying out dividends to the shareholders because they literally were making more money than they ever made because it literally was one of the few things still open. Yep. Um, because, because it was, it was considered, considered essential. essential. Yeah, uh, I think but, but, here we also saw, I would, I'm just venturing a guess, but I would assume that liquor sales probably went up quite a bit here in the U.S. Um, you know, and I think our grocery stores have been doing really well. We've seen, you know, Zoom and technology platforms do really yes, yes. well. And my husband's actually a physician, and so um, his practice has actually remained fairly busy, but um, they're getting ready to, you know, shut down elective surgeries again because... Oh, okay, yes, yes. Yes. It's just getting so out of control. So, but I we've seen a lot of doctors, surprisingly, um, like our plastic surgery friends, or are less um, as like uh, quote unquote essential, like non-elective yes, specialties. Yes. Um, we see them suffering a whole lot more, or their business is down a little yes, bit yes. because people are putting off procedures. So it's kind of interesting to see that happen too, even within healthcare framework. Yes, 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 yes. Uh, because it could keep it going, like, you know, is there something that I can do without? Um, I, I've seen it myself, you know, with, with, with cybersecurity where um, companies will go like, you know, you're helping us with change projects because right now um, we are suffering so much um, that that we can't do anything that, that involves change. Um, whether uh, don't, we don't care how critical we think it is, we literally can't afford to do anything that involves change. Um, uh, so I had one client as well that that basically instantly stopped um, 300, well not, let's say 56 programs of work involving 300 people. Um, they literally instantly stopped all of that uh, end of March. Um, because one of them, for instance, was depending on them being able to be physically be in, in a building because they were the traders. So they went like, well, actually, literally, we're not making any money right now because there's no trading floor. Yeah. It's so they so went, they went literally literally from, from... from, as you can imagine, with an investment management company that's based in the middle of London, you can imagine like how much money they normally would make. Um, so if you go from, from that to like zero, uh, yeah, that's like, you know, you, you, it's, it's hard to even visualize. Um, and I think that's, that's where... Um, you know, governments around the world should have done a more, you know, into um, normalizing. So, so more people would care about the neighbors, that kind of, kind thing. of thing. Yeah. Uh, because yeah. I, I, I saw a lot, a lot of, of like, like news video articles where they were focusing on the people that did get help, but then were leaving out the people that didn't. Um, so you get this, you know, people, you know, have this perception where they go like, 
Everybody was, was helping. helping. No. Wow. no, it definitely was not like that here, unfortunately. <laughs> I wish it were the case. Um, yes, but, yes. you know, there are people even in my neighborhood that <laughs> are not able to afford their groceries. I mean, it's <laughs> really terrible um, what this pandemic has done. And, you know, unfortunately, I think that the U.S. has just had much larger repercussions from it not being managed. And I think that's partially, um, you know, in America, the mindset is a little bit different than in Japan, for example, right? Like yeah, our yeah. society is like very set, like inwardly focused. And yes, so yes. it's all about personal liberty and personal freedoms. Yes, uh, So much so that people refuse to wear a mask out of principle in the yeah, U.S. And I just think that's really unfortunate because something as simple as wearing a mask can literally save someone else's life. Yeah, yeah. and that's, that's a difficult conversation to have every time. Um, again, you know, like for my American acquaintances and such, um, I, I literally uh, have like um, people on both sides of the spectrum, if you will, Right. I have like some people going like, you know, I live in the middle of nowhere. Um, our village is literally uh, 150 people. Um, so why should I marry a mask? That kind of thing. Um, and, and I get it, you know, like it's a small town, but literally only one person needs to go, for instance, even into a bigger town, come back. back. And that's and the then exposure. You're done. You're done. Uh, yeah, and you know, that's the thing. And like, healthcare isn't very accessible here in the uh, US um, in general. And then when you start putting strain on hospital systems, it becomes worse and worse and worse. And so, areas that have 150 people in the entire town, for example, yeah, yeah. probably don't have a doctor, let alone multiple. No, 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 no. Yeah, so basically, when they would go to the local Walmart, uh, they literally would be like a 90 minute trip. A single journey, um, um, uh, which is like you know uh, crazy. You know, if you uh, like, if I live just outside London, just to give you an idea, and sorry, um, and um, I don't know if I leave the house and I walk about, I would say 150 meters. I don't know what it is in yards, um, but basically there's a, a a corner shop. Basically, there's off license because that's a UK thing, as in you know you can buy liquor there. Um, and other stuff, but the off-license points to that they are allowed to sell off the license, uh, which is where it's, uh, the name comes from. Uh, and a super, like a local uh, supermarket, uh, which is like, um, so most of the local supermarkets here, even the local ones are basically, uh, basically from, from a bigger, bigger chain, chain. But it's mm-hmm. like, it's like, like, a, it's like, like a, a natural, natural version. version sure. Um, um, so yeah, so yeah like, like having, having to drive, to drive 90, 90 minutes to go to the supermarket. Is like, <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, that, but, but of, of course, course you, you know, in the end of like, you know, you know, you get a picture and they post a view from like literally from the porch because of course they're gonna proper porch. And and it's like, you know, there's mountains there and it's like, wow, like literally there's no neighbor in sight. Uh, so yeah, you know, like it, it's, it's one thing or the other. Um, yeah, I would say the vast majority of Americans probably don't live in such remote areas, but no, to your no, point, yeah, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. you know, and we kind of touched on this earlier when we were talking that America is pretty spread out and far yes. less dense. So, um, unless you're in like a major Metro like Chicago or New York or LA, um, you're probably not walking to a store. You're probably still driving to the store or, yes, you know, if you're yeah, me, yeah. you're doing Instacart or one of those. 
Yeah, 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 yeah. To, to be fair, like uh, the work I did in America, I, I went to uh, Vegas because, of course, conferences are in Vegas, that kind of thing. Um, so I, I can't really say I, I, I went there properly because, of course, it's a conference season kind of thing. Um, and I went to Texas as well at one point, funny enough. Um, I went to Austin and I went to Houston uh, because uh, on my wife's side, um, she has uh, grandparents uh, living in Houston. Um, and I like Austin, and I I, I went to uh, of all, all places Taylor, Texas. Oh wow, uh, that's because, like very uh, small. Yes, yes. Uh, uh, the reason, the reason for, that for that is that because I got this, like you know, like show me like all the barbecue restaurants, and uh, basically there's a, um, I think it was like Franklin's, um, which you know if people are not don't know, it's like it's a famous restaurant or whatever. Um, yeah, so I ended up like we we. Um, drove to like Franklin's in, in Taylor, Texas, and like, in an and I, it was like you know like this is like a movie set, and then like they were like, yeah, well actually they actually used it for Transformers, Transformers movie. movie. <laughs> so they so basically, basically instead, instead of like, of, like going, going to like a Warner Brothers movie studio, or uh, I don't even know which who owns Transformers to be fair, um, they were literally like you know like this is such a stereotypical small town. Uh, so then, uh, I don't know who does that, but basically the location scout went like, you know what, they, we should shoot here. So I was like joking, like, you know, like they should move, shoot a movie here. It's like, well, actually they've done that. They are, um, yeah. And, and, and I literally like, I was like eating barbecue in this like um, converted barn thing. It's like, it couldn't be more authentic. <laughs> um, um, so, uh, so I really, I really liked, liked that. that but, yeah, 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 the fast open spaces, spaces everything, everything was by was car. car. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. The funny time is like, 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 I was there around Christmas time. And it was just such a shock that I was like walking around in Austin uh, uh, Christmas, Christmas time, time in, my in my shorts. shorts. Oh, yeah. Because I'm like, <laughs> I, I, we don't really get snow here, here, but being able, being able to walk, to walk around, around with 26, 26 degrees Celsius, Celsius, I don't know, I don't know what it is, Fahrenheit. Fahrenheit. Um, yeah, it was probably in the 50s, 60s. Yeah, 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 um, it was like, like okay, I'm, I'm walking, walking around my shorts. Yeah, it's like, like, it's, yeah. Yeah. like a like Santa, Santa in shorts. In shorts. Um, um, but that's unique to the southern states, really. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> sure, I, I do like it, and, like it and I, I still need to go to Florida. And, and, uh, yeah, yeah. I have yeah. kids, I need to go to Disney World, but I'll get there at one point. One day, yeah, one day Disney will be back then. So for the entrepreneurs listening that got the great idea, but I haven't started, so if a budding entrepreneur would ask you for one piece of advice, what would it be? I think it would be to not be paralyzed by fear. Um, you know, I think we don't really talk about this enough. And so today I have over $400 million in my portfolio, my investment portfolio. And, I, you know, I started at zero and you will too. But you, if you just don't let that fear of literally leaping off the edge of a cliff uh, scare you, I think that there's a whole lot of potential. And I think that that is the best time to really move forward with your vision and be ready to pivot. Um, I know a lot of business owners, my family's businesses included, uh, when COVID hit, we were all making some pretty quick pivots. And we were changing our models. And we were going to a very heavily tech model previous to before something like COVID and there's always going to be something new whether it's COVID or something else um, you just need to be prepared to pivot but don't let that fear stop you from moving forward yeah it completely makes sense uh, yeah uh, the, the, the pivot uh, it's one thing um, 
um, you know, it, it's so important. And, uh, and also, um, just in, it was like last crisis in 2008, um, it also ended up uh, a lot of new companies that got started that are now um, major players. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, it's grief, if you will. Uh, but there's also opportunity. And um, I think you say with the fear, like uh, a lot of people overestimate how much of an impact it is if, if you fail. And in the end, it's like, yes, you might fail, but then, you know, you, you can start again and then, you know, learn from, from, from the previous failure and then you can be better off. Um, but if you wait for the perfect time, then, then, yeah, you can wait forever, that kind of thing. Um, so a bit of a fun question. If you had a magic wand, what would you want to make happen? Oh gosh, I feel like I have so many wishes, but really the most like core value to me is, um, that my family, I've twin toddler daughters, um, that they, and like my parents and sister and husband are all taken care of and live just like a happy life. That, that's a good thing. And at the end, it's all about family, you know, um, you know, we, we do it all for family. Um, uh, and then uh, as long as they're happy, then, then we're happy, that kind of thing. Um, um, so of course, you know, for the listeners, where can people find you and then five funds? Yeah, you can find me on my website, vivefunds.com, V I V E F U N D S.com. And there we have an investor portal. So if you want to see what we're offering you're welcome to sign up there or um, if you want to set up a call to discuss more and learn a little bit more about what we're doing you can sign up there as well yeah i was just like uh, of course i, I check out the website before i was like um i was looking at uh, this uh, active offering that just like oh that, that looks nice i want to live there um, well, that okay. offering, I'm actually getting ready to close that. We've already uh, closed okay, okay. it. But uh, yes, that, are, that was our most recent deal. And to yeah, your point, yeah. there's a lot of space there, um, yes, yes. you know, like we were talking about earlier. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. It's like, it's like, yeah, 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 you don't, you get, don't that get that kind of space here. Yeah. Exactly true. Yes, yeah, so, yeah, so thank, thank you for your time. I hope you had fun. And for the listeners, wherever you are on the surfboard, uh, in the Atlantic Ocean or on a tropical island or North Pole on the space station. If you're on a space station, do let me know um, because my daughter would like to be an astronaut. So um, shout out to Always Cool. And then I can mention it in, pub- in publications, of course. It'd be like, I got a listener in the International Space Station. Um, and I'll talk to you all on the next recording. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for tuning in this episode. I hope you enjoyed the show and I look forward to having you tune in again next episode. See you next time.